Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Good morning. Well, good to be in church. Some of you at the back, you're a bit like, I've crept in late and no. Oh kind of glad to be here. Anyway, I'm glad to be here. You know, it's such an honor to come uh, to Light Church. You know, um, a, a couple of years ago, I used to be preaching out really regularly um, at different churches. And I, like, a couple of years ago, I decided, look, I need to sort of pull back on h- how much preaching I was doing. I was getting too distracted at uni uh, by somebody. Uh, so I need to make sure I spend a bit more time doing a bit more uni work. Um, and, you know, I sort of really cut back how often I was preaching out. But there are certain places that when you get that email or that text, you're like, I'm in. The day, if the diary is free, I'm in. And this is one of those places that we love coming here. Um, we genu- I don't say that everywhere I preach. You know, Some people just like, say that all the time. I genuinely don't say that everywhere I preach, but I do love coming here. It's awesome to be here. I don't, I don't know if you realize, but you guys are really blessed. You have an incredible couple leading you. Do you know that? Yep. Again, some of you aren't quite convinced. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, Dan and Holly are a couple that... I believe are going to be world changers, not just local area changes, but I believe are going to, going to see church transformed, the world transformed. Um, so keep going. You know, sometimes you'll be thinking like, Dan, what are you on about? You're on like one of your like adrenaline junkie things at the moment. Like, but you know, sometimes faith seems a bit all over the place. Faith doesn't always make sense. And we're going to press into that a bit this morning. But I want to encourage you to keep going. Keep following. These guys are people of integrity. Um, so keep going, keep following, keep following your elders and keep going and pressing into all God is doing amongst you. Um, so, yeah. But I also have to say that um, there's not many churches that I get the privilege to preach at that I also listen to the podcast when I'm walking the dog doing as well. Uh, and so uh, genuinely, every single week, I, I was listening to you last week, Pat. Good job, mate. Um, maybe not speed too many times. Uh, <laughs> proof that I listen <laughs> but yeah we got a dog in September um, he's feeling really sorry for himself he became a eunuch this week um, <laughs> it's landing it's landing <laughs> for those who don't know what a eunuch is he got his balls um, basically <laughs> and this is being recorded and I'm going to listen back to it and cringe myself. Whee! Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, um, and so I do listen, I listen in every single week into what, what God is doing amongst you, and it's, and it's so quality um, to be part of it, and, and, and listen into that. And as Dan said, we are, we are planting a church called Heart Church in Morecambe, and we are launching this October, ah, which is awesome. Um, and we've been asked to speak on some of the lessons that we've learned in planting Heart Church. We've, as we've taken a step of faith, what has God been teaching us through doing that? Uh, and when coming into your series, Do You Even Lift? Uh, no, I don't, is the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> But uh, what we've been learning through doing that, before I saw we delve into it, we're going to look at four lessons that we learned from that. And it's awesome that Becky's going to jump up and, and speak into that as well in a bit. But I want to just set a bit of context. So jump back with me to January 2019. As a church at Hesham, we've been growing. Uh, we were working towards going towards two identical morning services. It was the way that we were going to double capacity because we were getting too big for the building uh, that we currently have. And so that's where we were going. We told the church all of that. But then in January 2019, I was in a meeting uh, with a pastor. And he said to me, um, like, we, we really sense that God, that God wants to see a new church in Morecambe. 
And as soon as he said that, something inside of me started shifting. And I was like, right, what is that? And I sort of went away knowing I've got to pray into this. So I went home, said to Becky, look, we've got to really pray into this. I don't know if this is like something that God wants us to be involved in and to head up or what. I don't even know what it's going to look like. So we went home and we were praying into it. And instantly, I, personally, I was overwhelmed by confirmation of pictures um, of, of, of how God spoke to me through scripture and about sort of reopening wells of like Morecambe's a place where loads of people have started out and they, they sort of, there's a found, loads of foundations implied in Morecambe. And we believe that God's called us to open that back up again and go beyond where other people have gone before and seeing the town and beyond transformed by God. And that's awesome for us to be part of. But I was being really encouraged. I spoke to people, I spoke to people like Dan and others who I know are like for me. You know, you've got to know who's for you. And we've got to know who's for you. And they're going to be the ones that are going to encourage you, but also tell you, look, you're being a bit stupid here. And actually everyone I spoke to, they were like, like, we can see this totally. We see this totally. Because I totally wasn't someone who, in my head, I was ever going to plant a church. I was going to send other people to do that kind of work, and I would not do that. But so I was in. I'd heard from God, and I was there. Like, I, I was totally on board. But I said to God, look, like, me and Becky, were a team. Like, I'm not going unless you speak to Becky. We need to both be all in on this. And so I said, to, I said to God, I need to speak to Becky. I need to speak to someone outside of our situation. And that would be, like, the final confirmation for me. In 48 hours, God had done both of them. So for me, it was like, I can't get away from this. So I went and shared with our, our lead pastor at Hesham, uh, Mark, and, and we sort of journeyed that through. And so Hesham are backing us with people and finance, and, and they're going to cover us with governance and all the stuff that you've got to do, which is kind of boring, but it's, you've got to do it legally, um, which is awesome. And so over the last, uh, since October, we've had some info nights, sort of sharing who we're going to be, what sort of vibe Heart Church is going to have. We've been raising support from, with churches and people who are going to back us financially. Um, thank you so much for, for backing us and standing with us. And so now we are eight months from launching, um, which is awesome. Um, since I sort of got, as I sort of said yesterday, and then you eventually wait for Dan to send you through sort of the series outline of what, what is he going to be preaching into? And as soon as I read it, it sort of started making me think, because it started making me go, like, what actually has God taught us? Like, you know, God's teaching you stuff, but like putting language to it and actually owning, like, God's been teaching us this. And so it's been really helpful for us. It sort of forced us to sort of journey through that. And so I want to share with you four lessons um, uh, that we've, that God's taught us over this journey uh, since we've sort of stepped out uh, in faith. Before we do, let's pray. So Father God, I thank you for these moments together. And Lord, I pray that um, you will speak to people this morning. Lord, it's not about me at all. This is about you. And so Lord, I pray that you will come and speak. Lord, take what we've prepared and mess it up if you need to. Take us where you want to take us this morning. And Lord, I pray that no person will leave this place without encountering the true and living God this morning. And so Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true, that it's life-transforming, that it's powerful. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Come for your way, Lord. Accomplish what you want to accomplish in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So our first lesson, faith is not simply a decision, but a step or the step. You know, we often think of faith, oh, I'm going to make a decision of, of, of stepping out in faith. And we, but if you, all you ever do is make a decision, I don't believe you're living by faith because you're not going to put any action to it. Faith, I believe, is actually repeatedly stepping in obedience to God in spite of not seeing the whole picture with clarity. 
You know, in, your, in our Bibles, we've got Hebrews chapter 11, which is like one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. It's like the hall of faith, the hall of fame of like the Old Testament characters. And we've got all these different people who've done amazing things by faith with God that they're commended by the reader of Hebrews. Like first off, we've got this guy called Abel. Now, Abel ends up getting murdered by his brother. He's the son of Adam and Eve. But Abel's commended for giving God his best. You know, we're called to give God our best. Hopefully we won't die for it, but we're called to give God our best. You've got this guy called Enoch. Enoch's one of these guys who kind of legendary in some ways because we don't know that he actually died. He was just sort of walking and God took him back up to heaven. But Enoch is commended just for truly loving God. You know, I want to be commended for just truly loving God. You know, then you've got this guy Noah. Like we've all kind of heard of Noah. But when you're thinking about it, it can end up just being like this Sunday school story, this thing you might have heard about in some way. But this is crazy what's going on. You're kind of chilling, you might be spending some time with God, doing your nine to five. And then suddenly God says to you, I want you to make this mahusive boat. What? Like, I want you to go and chop down some trees, make some planks, and build this crazy big boat because I'm going to flood the earth and I'm going to send all these animals two by two and some seven by seven. Check your Bibles. Um, like, I'm going to send all these people to you because I'm going to flood the earth because there's like, it's hurting my heart. There's too much evil going on. And goes, okay. Like, think about it. You're just there and suddenly you've got to build it. People are going to start questioning your sanity. That takes some faith to go and just start building this boat. And then you get this guy called Abraham. I love this verse. It says, this is what it says about Abraham. One of, one of the things it says about Abraham. Verse 8 of chapter 11 of Hebrews says, By faith, when called to go to a place he would later receive as, in his, as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He was, he, he, you know what, he was called. He knew he was called. He knew the promise God had for him. He didn't know where he was going, but he went anyway. He went following the promises of God, and he later received the promises of God because he took that step of faith, even though he didn't know where he was going. Sometimes we've got to go places. We don't fully know where the destination is, but we've got to go because we've been called, and the promises of God we're going to inherit when we get there. Then we've got Abraham's wife. We've got Sarah. Sarah was married to Abraham and, and like, she'd gone through menstruation and all that sort of stuff. It was all, it was all over for her in that way. They, they longed for a child. They'd been promised a child. But she's now like in her 90s and now she falls pregnant and receives a child. She's way beyond childbirth in age. But she receives a child from God by faith. And they call him Isaac. She had faith to believe for the impossible. Do you have faith to believe for the things that don't seem to naturally make are possible? But then what's even more incredible, like Abraham then takes this son that they've been given and he takes him up to a mountain and is going to sacrifice him in obedience to God. That takes some faith. Now he doesn't have to do that because God provides a ram. But how incredible, they've been waiting for this child for years, yet he's willing to give up what he cherishes most. Because of the fact that he's got. In obedience to God. And then you've got, you've got Isaac and Jacob. And they're commended for speaking blessing over their sons. You know, by faith, you have power to speak blessing over people and situations that you encounter. Don't diminish the power of your voice. 
Now, you also have power to tear down and to be negative. So we need to be cautious about that. But there's power in the words that you speak. What are you speaking over your life, over your children, over your neighborhoods, over your town, your workplace, over your church? Then we get Joseph. Joseph's commended because he prophesies over his, his nation that an exodus is going to come where the people of God are going to be uh, receive the exodus are going to be taken out and go into exile away from um, the people of the, the, sorry, the Egyptian people. They're going to have freedom. And then you've got this guy Moses. Moses' parents him because he, otherwise he would have been slaughtered by Pharaoh who was killing all the firstborns. But what I love is he, instead of staying loyal to the Israelite people, sorry, instead of staying loyal to the, the Egyptian people, he stays loyal to his own people, the Israelite people. So instead of being known as one of Pharaoh's daughter's son, he then goes on to lead the people of Egypt through, by faith through the Red Sea. And you know, this guy, he, he, he lines up all the excuses, Moses. Like, I'm poor at speech. I keep stuttering and I can't do it, God. Look, I've murdered someone. I can't do it, God. He tries to write himself off, but God counts him in. And by faith, he leads them out. But I love what it says in verse 26. It says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. You know, the step is only possible. The step of faith is only possible when we get to a place when we are willing to leave behind what is known, what is comfortable. You know, it's only possible when we're willing to say, you know, the treasures that I hold dear now, it's greater where I'm going to be heading to. You know, he's only, like, Moses is only able to go because he regards what, what he could have had as worse than what he's going to have. When you step into a place where you're willing to go where no one else might go, where you're willing to suffer for Christ, to suffer for the sake of the gospel, where you're willing to go, knowing that the reward that God has for you is worth it. Where you're willing to step out of the comfort. You know, I, I have to say that sometimes one of the hardest things we have to do is leave the comfort. I think it's probably one of the things that stops most Christians stepping out in faith. It's because we get so comfortable in the normal that we've come to know. Then there's this, this lady, Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. You know, I love how the Bible's not airbrushed and it gives us everything about people. You know, we know when we get, the, we get the struggles and the challenges that we see in someone like Rahab's life. You know, so often we think that it's our past that writes us off. I should have done this. I've done this. If, you, if only you really knew this about me. You know, God does. God does know it. But what's awesome, what's beautiful is that he says, you know what, I'm going to count you in where, even when you count yourself out. What's awesome is that he, he says, I'm going to partner with you individually and as a church for significant things. You know, Rahab is known for a promiscuous past, her career. But she's commended for her faith and her obedience. Don't write yourself off. Don't let other people write you off. Jesus excels in using those who are less likely. And then the writer of this chapter just lists some big hitters we don't get as much about. David and Samuel and Gideon and Samson and Barak. All of them did something by faith. 
By faith was not sitting there hoping for the best, continuing the mundane and hoping there might be a difference one day. But by making a decision, you know, saying, making a decision, oh, by faith I'm going to do something and not actually doing it is absolutely pointless. It's worthless. But until you make a decision and you actually put action to that, that's what we see from all these, these guys and girls in this chapter is they make a decision, they follow God, and they step out in faith. They step out in faith. On our wall at home, we've got a quote by Martin Luther King Jr., and I absolutely love it. It says this, Faith is taking the first step, even if you can't see the whole staircase. You know, sometimes we've got to step out, even when we can't, then I'm someone who sometimes likes to know exactly how things are going to work. Sometimes I don't really care. But like sometimes like, I need to know the exact path we're going to take. You know, you know those people that before they ever set on a journey, they've got like AA route planner out and like, you've got Apple Maps. Like, 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 like they're planning every little bit. Where are we going to stop for our tea? Well, I don't care. There's food somewhere. Like, the people over plan everything. That's cool if you're one of those people. Love you. So does Jesus. But sometimes, for, for some of us, we've got to forego some of that. Because actually, God's just saying, just go. Just step. Just, just come with me. I've got you. Faith is not simply a decision, but it's the step. And James talks about this in James 2, verse 17. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without action is counterfeit. It's, I don't believe it's true faith because faith leads to action. Faith leads to transformation. Faith changes things. Faith is not simply a decision, but it's a step. Becky's going to come and join me as we delve into our, our next lesson, which is that fear is a battle, but faith is an avenue to win the war. And we've got some chairs. Look at this. You can relax. Cheers, guys. So I'm just going to ask, you know, as I said earlier, we're a team. This isn't just about me, um, although I sometimes like to think it is, but it's not. Uh, let's be honest. It's not just about me, but, you know, this is, this is about us doing this together. Like, God called both of us. Um, and so I wanna, we're going to hear a bit from what uh, Becky's perspective this morning, because, you know, I can give you one perspective on this, and I'm one of these, like, eternal optimists. Everything's good normally in my life, but, like, everything's going to work out fine. But sometimes it's not always like that. Um, and so Becky's going to share from her perspective. Um, so, yeah, just go straight for it. So what sort of, like, fears, what sort of things have you found challenging about sort of this journey, this step of faith that we've had? Uh, I just had, like, loads of questions, just like, what if no one comes to the church? What if we don't raise enough money? What if nobody likes us? Um, what if it breaks relationships with Hisham? What if it all fails? Um, and wouldn't it just be so much easier if we could just stay where we are, where we're comfortable at Hisham and happy and everything's rosy? <laughs> yeah, totally. I relate to some of that. It's, it's true that we are all those questions that when you step out in faith, there's always questions. There's always those, those doubts, I suppose. So, like, do you think it's okay as, a, like, a follower of Jesus... Um, to have those fears and, and like yeah what do you think about that yeah I just think like doubt and fear are natural and I think um when you really care about something you're bound to worry about it and have fears um and I think that's okay um but I think that when you're stepping out in faith as we are you know it's about like do we feed those fears you know I know you guys were talking about that the other week about don't feed the birds we listened to that uh, the other week on our way back from Northern Ireland and we were listening to that preach you know and it's that that was just amazing it, you know just do we, are we feeding those fears? Am I feeding 
feeding those worries or am I finding ways to like push it away? Yeah, no, totally. Um, like, so how have you found it, like personally, how have you battled against those fears? How have you resisted those fears, kept them at bay and sort of pushed through on that? Um, I think like a big part of it for me, for, of pushing them away, is, is just about remembering our call and remembering yeah, what we're doing it for, yeah, yeah. Um, remembering that what we're doing is being obedient to God. Um, and at Hisham, I run the Sunday school, and I have done for quite a few years, and I actually find that I learn so much from teaching the kids. I don't know if any of you guys do the Sunday school or whatever, or the kids group, um, and I feel that when I prepare stuff for the kids, um, I just feel like I learn so much from it myself, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't know about that character. Um, and so like, a big part of it, when we were setting out, um, a big part of the call for me was I was doing a session about Peter, um, you know, when he gets out of the boat and um, walks on water, and... Um, when I was preparing that session, like, when was it, eight ages ago, like a yeah, year yeah. ago or something, um, you know, and I, I was teaching the kids about how he was the disciple that was brave enough to get out of the boat, and Jesus said, come to me, and he was like, you know, walking on water, that's like nuts, why would you do that? But he's, he's brave enough to be obedient to God, um, and I just found that through doing that session with the kids I just thought that's us you know we need to be brave enough to get out of the boat yeah. um, and so whenever I'm worrying and I'm fretting about it all I just come back to that moment and just think you know Jesus has told us to come like he did to Peter and that's what we need to do um, and that theme has come up time and time again because I've been doing all the Old Testament characters now with the kids and it's like the ones you were talking about before but it like feels like every week with the kids I'm saying to them if Jesus, if God tells you to do it, you should do it, you know, if, and, you know, and if, uh, and sometimes it seems crazy, but you should do it because it's God and he's got you. Um, and it, that's just been a lesson for me every single time just to, just for myself is God's told us to do it. So even though it's scary and it's hard, that's what we need to do, you know, and it's to John 1, 6 just says, and this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. So, you know, that's what we do. And if we love God, we're walking in obedience to him, even though it's scary. <laughs> and, that, and that's what's awesome is that obviously we're, we're pressing to God and we're, we're sort of seeking to hear God's voice. But even through, even in the sort of regular stuff that you were doing in terms of just doing like kids church every single week, God's just started to really speak to you through that, yeah. uh, which was awesome and so encouraging. You know, sometimes we're searching for like the like big God booming voice from heaven. <laughs> like, but actually sometimes God just wants to speak through what you're doing every day. Yeah. And we just need to be aware of what God's saying. So what else would you say sort of helped you in, uh, in terms of making sure you're trying to keep those fears at bay and uh, keep walking in faith? Yeah, I just think, you know, like seems really obvious, but just by praying to God and just by being honest with him, um, I think God just wants us to be honest with him, just to grapple with him about what we're struggling with. And, you know, it's no good trying to hide it away and come to God all, everything's great, God, love you. You know, because actually he knows how we're feeling anyway and he knows when we're struggling, so there's no point trying to hide it. And so coming to God, sharing my fears, my concerns, my worries, I just feel like he just says to me, you know, you, I know you're worried, you know, I know it's scary, but I've got this, you yeah. know, and I've got you, I've called you to this, you know, so why would I leave you to just do it on your own? You know, I've called you guys to this, so I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Um, and, you know, there's, there's so much in the Bible to comfort us with that kind of thing, but I just wanted to pick out Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And, you know, that start bit, I sought the Lord, you know, we can't. We need to come to God with those fears yeah. and those stresses and those concerns, um, and not just try and battle through them. And us guys, not just go, well, it's scary, but you know, come to God. It says, "I sought the Lord." You know, we need to seek Him, and if He does that, it says He delivered me from all my fears. So, you know, seeking the Lord, 
um, and he'll deliver us. And I just think that's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Do you want to do the rest of the message? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to add to that briefly, you know, um, doubt and fear, like Becky said, are so often they are natural. But, you know, I, I heard this week, someone said, Satan wants you to doubt your beliefs and believe your doubts. He wants you to believe your fears. Yeah. And, you know, so often the things that we, we start fearing about and doubting about actually never come to fruition anyway. But so often we, 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 that's what focuses our minds. You know, one thing I think is really important in, this, in terms of actually when you want to battle against fear is you need to know who your tribe are. You need to know who your people are. Because actually, you know, the people that are going to encourage you, and they, they're still challenging you. Yes, they're not going to just say, oh, yes, 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 it's always amazing. But they're going to encourage you and keep you going and reminding you of what God's already called you to do. Because when you start losing that voice, the negativity is going to shout even louder. And so I want to encourage you, know who your encouragers are. Turn up the volume on your encouragers. Because actually, the negativity will often shout louder. It will come from the minority voices, but they shout louder. And so if you're not careful, they start to be the ones that start to be the echo chamber you find yourself in. So you need to make sure you turn up the volume on your encouragers. Make sure you know who your people are. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't even know who they are. Like, you've got to invest in some relationships of people who are going to really journey with you, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. And so I want to encourage you, find your tribe, know your tribe. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. This is awesome. First time ever, like, doing a, a, a bit of a co-preach. I think I might book you to preach at Heart Church. <laughs> awesome. Great stuff. Third lesson. Provision follows the promise. Provision follows the promise. In, in planting Heart Church, there are so many areas in which it instantly start to go through your mind. We've got to like start a church from scratch and you're, you're sort of like thinking through all these different areas. You're starting to have to believe God to provide in. So many different things. And there's still things we're continuing to believe God. But I want to tell you a few stories of how God has provided for us. So very soon after we sort of announced that we were going to be part of the church and all of that, very quickly we, we had um, uh, uh, one of the key questions I suppose that comes is like where are we going to meet? Like it wasn't an urgent question for us at that point, but it was one of those questions that sort of comes up in your mind like we've got to have a venue. And so um, very quickly we had... Um, a head teacher from, who actually goes to uh, another Free Methodist church, but head teacher uh, approached us and said, look, I've heard you're part of the church. I'm a head teacher of Morecambe Bay Academy, which is a local high school. Like, let's meet. I want to chat to you. And so when I, I met, with, met with her, her name's Vicky, and, and she started to share with me how God had really been speaking to her that one day there'll be a church that worships in her school. And started to like, this is like, one of those meetings, like, did that really just happen as you walk out? Because she's there just like, oh, God spoke to me about this and this and this. And she's there, like, praying in tongues over her school. I'm like, like, this isn't meant to happen. In, like, and it was just incredible. And so she then showed me around the school and showed me how, like, there was these three different rooms you could meet in. And you could grow to, like, 100 and 200 and 300. And there was capacity for growth within the school. And I was just like, this is just not meant to happen. And, like, it's like, when we step out, the promise started to come out. Like, as soon as we started to step out, God was starting to be faithful and showing us, I've got this already. I've been speaking to someone years before you even thought you were even going to think about planting a church. I didn't even think I was going to plant a church. But as you started speaking to someone about, and that's like, it's awesome. And that's why we've been holding our infinite nights we're going to launch on Sundays. It's been amazing. And then I started to, well, started to think a little bit about, like, you know, some churches, when it comes to, like, branding and how they look, they're kind of lackluster. Like, it's like, Oh, really? Like, 
just go and get a black and white photocopy and that'll do. I'm like, that's not me. I'm like, I'm not very good at graphic design and all that sort of stuff. So I'm thinking like, what are we going to do in terms of making sure that we communicate a message through who we say we are in terms of our name through our branding and everything else like that. I believe it's important. And so at that point we were like, I haven't got the money to necessarily invest at that level at the moment. And I met with this guy for coffee, Dan, uh, and he just said, look, well, what do you need? And I, and I sort of shared like how much it was going to cost. And like I said, well, look, no promises, but look, let me just go away and I'll chat to the elders and see what happens. And we were just so blessed last time we were here in September when you guys said, look, we want to stand with you. And you've like invested in that. So things that like just fall into place, as you start stepping out, you know, people start to like say, you know, we want to back you. Like, we want to stand with you. We want to provide it within that. And, you know, one of the other things like, is finance. You know, finance is... One of those things, oh, don't talk about in church. Jesus talks about it a lot, so I'm going to talk about it. Um, you know, one of the things is that we just want to, like, believe God for, for in, in, in all the different areas. And so one of the things, we've got to sort of raise my salary for the next few years. Um, and obviously, when you're starting out a church, you've not necessarily got a bank of people who are going to be tithing and giving into that investment financially. And so we, we, we sort of were praying, and we started to believe God for £100,000 what? Yeah, like, which would be like three years of salary uh, costs, but also like our, our launch budget uh, and everything else like that. And, and so that would release sort of our, our regular giving and our regular tithes and offerings to, to sort of cover some of the other operational and missional costs of the church. And there was this one church that we approached, um, and yeah, we approached the church, it's cool. Like, we approached this church, and like, we, they're, they're, they're known as a generous church, and they are a generous church. And in my mind, if I'm honest, I sort of built up, like, this is going to be like a five-figure sum. Like, these guys, I know they've done it before to other people. I, like, I built up that they were going to bless us amazingly. I had these unhealthy expectations of how I thought God was going to provide for us. Uh, if, and, and so I got it totally wrong. And I got this email from the pastor of this church. He said, Look, we want to give you 2K. And, and that's incredibly generous. And we were so thankful for that. But part of me inside died a little bit. I was like, what is that it? Like... I'm just being honest here. Like, I was, I, it's because I built these expectations. I, I was basically saying to God, this is how it's going to happen. Like, you're going to provide through this church, and these are going to be like, our main supporters. And if you don't, like, I, I wasn't even thinking if you don't, it was going to happen. These people are going to give us a significant amount of money. And so part of me was like, God, like, who kind of like questioning, like, what is that about? Like, that wasn't supposed to happen. But you know, God provides in ways that we don't expect two days later we get a phone call from another pastor who says look we've been praying for you and we want to give you ten thousand pounds and you know it was one of those things i think i i, I know god's been just teaching us just trust me like don't try and like manufacture things don't try and tell me how things are going to work just trust me you know i said we i said that we were trying to raise hundred thousand pounds we're already raised fifty-one thousand pounds. We're not even launched yet, and that, like, that's just the way. It was just people supporting us. People saying we want to support you. We want to back you. You know, and it's just like we're just like I didn't see it working like this, but God works in ways that we don't expect. You know, we've just got to trust God, and actually, as you step out, I believe the provision starts to come. You know, sometimes we're thinking, well, we can't do it unless we've got X amount of money, X amount of people, and now, if we'd done that, I think we'd still be like sat in the same place where we were when we first heard from God. As you step out, God starts to provide. You know, faith does not mean that you're sitting there every day hoping an answer will come at some point. 
It doesn't mean, oh, I'm just going to believe God for something and I'm going to sit here and do nothing about it. You know, we've got to trust God and faith means action. We've got to keep stepping out and ask. You know, sometimes we're afraid to ask. Now, one of the things I've been learning is, you know what, if I'm on kingdom business, if I'm doing stuff for God, People say, no, that's cool. God's got it. So I'm I'm willing to ask and have conversations which some people might not be willing to have because actually if I'm doing it by faith, I'm doing it for God, then it's it's up to God what the answer is going to be anyway. And we've got to just trust God through it all. Whereas people or finance or whatever, whatever you need to accomplish, whatever God's calling you to do as a church or individually, God's got it. Before you even, you know, before God called you, he had it. Why do you think suddenly now he's called you, it's all on you? I mean, we don't do anything, but we've got to continue to follow God. It says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, it says, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace, so that you will have more than enough. Our God is the God of more than enough. Of more than enough of everything, every moment. In every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. He will make you overflow. Now, that doesn't mean that we just sit back and do nothing. But I believe as you step out, as you follow the calling that God has put on your life, that provision will come. Provision will come. Whether that's just in courage. That's why you I just need some courage, God, because I can't do this on my own. God will provide it. Whether it is material, whether it is finance, whether it's like human resources, whatever it might be, God will provide it. He's big enough. More than enough. And he's the God of more than enough in every situation you step into. Fourth lesson. Process is not a hindrance, but a pathway to purpose. Process is not a hindrance, but a pathway to purpose. All right, things take longer than you think they will. Or think they should. But don't despise or try and bypass it. God is working in you. It's the pathway to your purpose. Now, I don't want to discount that God is a God of miracles. And sometimes things do shift really quickly. But that's not always the case that things, you know, if I'm honest, that's not often what's happened in my life. There's been a few occasions where things are just like, there's breakthrough instantly. But that's not the everyday God is, sometimes it's a process that's going on. You know, patience is something I struggle with. I want it now. I want it bigger and I want it fast. I don't want to be hanging around waiting, you know, and that's one of my frustrations. But come on, like, like God's spoken, just get on board. Like, it's obvious. But what God teaches you in the waiting is preparing you for your purpose. You know, there's a story of David in the Bible, isn't there? Where Samuel anoints David as king when he's just like a teenager. He's anointed as king. Now, what does David do? Does he go up to King Saul and say, look, bro, this is like, this is like my throne now? Like, do you want to clear off? No, actually, you know what he goes and does? He goes and serves the king that was on the throne. He goes and plays music and worships in front of him. He goes and kills Goliath for him. And then he goes back to his little field and then tends the sheep for his father and kills and fights the bears and the lions and the wolves. You know, he knew what he was called to do, but he knew it also wasn't his appointed time. 
When it was at a point in time, he became the greatest king that they've ever seen in terms of how, or, like they used to go around chanting his name and saying, look how many fights he's won and look how many fights Saul hasn't won. When it was his time, when it was his calling, God moved in power. You know, it says, like, actually from the very start, actually, when, when Samuel announces, uh, sorry, anoints him, it says that he's then full of the Spirit. You might be full of the Spirit, but you've got to know when God's timing is. And it talks about David in 1 Samuel 17. It says, David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. This was a guy that wasn't going to avoid the, the, the menial tasks, the things that other people might look down on. I'm the king. What do you mean I've got to go back out into the field and sleep, sleep with some dirty sheep? Like... What do you think? But God's like, no, you've got to go and be humble. And God taught him through that. He knew what he was called. He knew his destination. But he didn't bypass the journey. He was obedient in the waiting. You know, he was molded and shaped and prepared for the purpose God had for him. You know, in my life, I, I've been at Hisham now for nearly eight years. And if God had called us to plant a church eight years ago, we would not have been ready. Like, it'd be an absolute car crash. Like, I would not, I, God had so much he had to do in me before we ever got to this point. God had to shape me and mold me and change me. And he's still got a heck of a long way to go. Well, there's no need to laugh. That's a bit rude, isn't it? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> nah. But that's the way it is. You know, in that, in these eight years, like, well, for my whole life, but particularly over those eight years, God has shook me up, turned me upside down, dragged me through bushes and kicked me out the other side. And, you know, like, things haven't always been easy, but God's been molding and changing me to the place where I, don't, I still don't feel ready. I'm still trusting him for it all. But I'm, I'm not more prepared for the purpose that God has for us than I was before. You know, I could have seen the last eight years as a waste of time. Oh, I'll just get over it. I just want to get to the place where, where God wants me to be. But actually, I could see it as a hindrance. I could try and bypass it. But I'd miss the process that God had to take me through. What God teaches you in, in the waiting is preparing you for your purpose. And if we're honest, we live in a world that is all about the sort of buy it now, pay later. I want the experience, but I don't want the, I want the, I want the platform, I want the influence, but I don't want to have to graph for it. I don't have to work for it. I want, to, I want to get where that person is, but I don't want to see actually the low lights reel of what that life is like. I just want to look through the Instagram and I'll, I'll be like that person. It doesn't work like that. And if I'm honest, so honest, I've bought into that. I've bought into that. I want it, I want it quick and I want it now. And so often we bring that same attitude to God. You know, we expect God to work to our metronome the way that we walk. But God's saying, no, I want you to dance to mine. I want you to walk to the way, the way I want you to walk. I want you to walk at my pace. So often we try and rush God. Say, like, God, it has to be done this way. It has to be done now. But God's saying, look, just trust me. Keep taking those steps. Keep walking in obedience. I have got you. It says this in Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of the God-pursuing ones follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord, and God delights in every step they take to follow him. Are we those who are going to be the God-pursuing ones, who are going to continue to follow God and take the steps that he wants us to take? 
We often expect God to work to our time scale, our blueprint, our plan. But God's saying, no, follow me. Follow me and I'm going to mold you and shape you and make you ready for the purposes I have for you. What would happen if we shift from being the king, the, the shepherd of our lives, and we live lives of faith where we put Jesus in his rightful place as our king, as our shepherd? And what would happen if we started to live lives of faith that say, whatever you call me to, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be obedient. What would happen? What would happen if we truly didn't just say, oh, I'm going to live by faith and not actually put any action to it. But actually we started to live lives of faith. That we go from this place and we actually put into action what God says to us. What would happen as we journey through the, the hikes of life and we journey through the highlands of life? Knowing that actually God has a plan for us. That God is going to mold us and shape us and equip us for the lives that he has for us. God has a purpose for you. You might not know it yet, but God has a purpose for you. And the, and the things that you're going through are not by accident. God is going to use them to shape you and mold you and use it as a pathway to your purpose. Can the band come up, please? I don't know how God's spoken to you this morning, but there are two things that I was sensing God was saying to me this week and was going to speak into you guys this week. Firstly, I think there's a group of people here that you, you've dreamed dreams in the past. You've had big vision in the past. But things maybe didn't work out as you thought they were, and, and maybe you stopped dreaming those dreams. You stopped having visions. You stopped living, the, 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 taking those big steps of faith because, you know, I've been burnt in the past, that hurt in the past. I believe God wants to say to you, dream again. Have vision again. We can come alive again and, you know, things can be different. Start to dream again of the what could be if God was to change the situation. Start to dream again. But I also believe for every single one of us, we have a decision to make this morning. Yet so often we count ourselves out. We say, no, it's not me. I can't do this. God can't use me. Look at my situation. Look at my bank balance. Look at my past. Look at that person. I can never be like them. But what would happen if, like church, if you said, you know what? I'm going to count myself in. I'm going to count myself into the promise and the purpose that God has for me. I'm going to live a life of faith. I'm going to battle against the fears and I'm going to live by faith. I'm not just going to make a decision, but I'm going to step out. I'm going to live in the provision that God has for me as I step out in the purpose he has for me. I'm going to journey through the process. I'm not going to bypass it. I'm going to live in the purpose God has for me. What would happen? What could happen in Kirkham and Blackpool, the far coast? What could happen in this nation if each and every one of us count ourselves in? What could happen? What could happen? what I believe could happen transformation could happen be changed people could be set free Jesus could be glorified and this place could never be the same again because you because I say you know what I'm in 
I'm going to count myself into the call that God has for me. So my question is, are you in? Are you in? And that's not just some oh, little decision you're going to make this morning. But I want to ask you, are you truly in? Count on the cost. Look at it and go, am I in? Because I believe Jesus is saying, come. Come follow me. And you know what? We're going to go on an adventure. It's not going to be easy. But things are going to shift. So let's close our eyes, bow our heads a second. this morning and you don't know Jesus I want to ask you why not you might be here I'm talking about this faith this journey this adventure uh, that we've been journeying through and you might be saying I want some of that and you know what you can all you've got to do is say you know Jesus I'm in Jesus I want to follow you Jesus look I know what you've done for me and now I can be set free in that if you're here this morning and you've not come to know Jesus or actually you know that you're not following Jesus, I want to ask you now just to raise a hand and say, look, I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I know that he's died for me. I know that he set me free. And now I want to live for him. If you ask you this morning, I just want to ask you just to raise your hand because I want to pray for you as a, and just as a sign that you're saying, look, I'm, I'm into what God's calling me to do and I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, or you want to come to know Jesus this morning, or you want to come back to him, I want to ask you just to raise your hand where you are. There might not be anyone, but that's cool, but I believe that I want to give an opportunity for people to find freedom this morning in Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Is there anyone here who wants to come back home to Jesus this morning? That's cool. That's okay. But now I want to ask you all, I want to ask you all, are you in? You know, if you're in, I want to ask you right now, not while you're looking around and seeing what other people are doing, but if you're in, just to stand. Stand and say, I'm into whatever you've got for me, whatever you're calling me to, not because other people are standing up, but because you're saying, I'm in, I'm going to follow, I'm going to step in faith to whatever you have for me. And I want to ask you now to worship big and say, look, God, I'm going to do whatever you have for me. God, I pray that you will raise our levels of faith in this place. Pour out your spirit in this place, God, that we might start to see the provision as we step out. That, Lord, where there's fear, that we might find faith this morning. Over those fears in our lives, break every chain of fear, that we might see the faith, see the God who we believe in is bigger than it all. And that he's got us as we step into it. And Lord, I pray you start to release dreams and visions and pictures of what you have for us. Start to reveal to people what the plan and the purposes that you have for them are. Lord, we're in. We surrender it all to you. I say, have you? Let's worship. Let's worship big. Let's praise the God who is worthy of our praise that we're going to follow wherever he takes You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.